Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. In this week's podcast, we're going to talk about an interesting topic or interesting concept. We're going to talk about how you should actually be prepared to lose the rally. It's an interesting concept. Uh, It seems counterintuitive at first, but if you give it a chance, I think you'll come around to it. It'll also help you just be more calm out there and have better peace of mind when things don't go your way and you lose a rally. And then in the riff, we're going to talk about the paddle I'm using right now and talk a little bit more about how paddle, uh, paddle selection can impact your game. If you're ready to expand your mind in pickleball, stay tuned for the podcast. You've studied the pickleball videos, maybe read a pickleball book, taken a lesson or two, but there's just something missing, something to complete the whole picture. That's where VI Pickleball comes in. VI Pickleball is the most immersive pickleball learning community available today. You can check out more information at wearepickleball.com. See you in the community. I don't know about you, but when I step out on the pickleball court, I'm looking to win. I want to win the rally. I want to win each point and I want to win the games. I want to leave with an undefeated record every time I get out there. Doesn't happen, but that's the objective, right? But what if I told you that you should expect to actually lose the rallies sometimes? In other words, that you should go out there with the expectation that the percentages are that you're going to lose the rally. Specifically, what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about when you're playing on the serve side. So when you're the serve team, the percentages in pickleball do not favor you. Now, I'm assuming here that you're playing a team that is equally uh, as competent as you, meaning as you, meaning that... Uh, you know, the, basically your mirror image. So you and your partner, you clone them, you put them across the net from you. So you're playing yourselves. If you take opponents who are the same level as you or literally yourselves and put them at the non-volley zone line on the other side of the net and you're starting from the baseline, you should lose that rally. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that you want to lose the rally. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight to win the rally. What I'm saying is that as a percentage, you are going to lose more of those rallies than you're going to win when you're on the serve side. When you are playing at the baseline, if you are playing your mirror image and they're doing a good job up at the return at the non-volley zone line as the return team, you should expect to lose more than you win. What that tells you is it tells you, well, wait a minute. If I'm thinking about it in terms of rallies won as the serve team, that may not be the most productive way of thinking about it and certainly isn't the healthiest way to think about it because you're going to be disappointed much more often than not. Coach Peter Scales, if you listen to our podcast, uh, you know, we did a whole series on mental and emotional training. Coach Pete wrote an excellent book, Mental and Emotional Training is the name of it. Uh, it does say for tennis on there, but you can drop that, disregard that. It's uh, as applicable to pickleball. And then the, the, the subline, which is compete, learn, honor, is really important in there. But you know, one of the things that Coach Pete mentioned is that if you if you leave the court or if, you, if your metric for for success on the court is winning all the time, that's not going to work for you because you're going to lose. Say you lose half the time, you know. So you go out there, you win half, and and, and you lose half. That's not bad, you know. You're, you're you're winning as much as you're losing, or losing as much as you're winning. Um, but if that's your metric, I must win all the time. Then it's just you know you're you're setting yourself up for failure, setting yourself up for a mental disaster out there. Similarly here, you know, I, I kind of, you know, think about it in terms of the rallies, right? So if I go out there and I'm playing on the serve side 
And I understand that my opponents are entrenched at the non-volley zone line as the return team. They have the positional advantage in the rally. Then I need to understand that the, the what I need to do is I need to work. I need to try and do the best that I can to try and, and win the rally. Obviously, I still want to try and win the rally. But I need to be able to understand that from a statistical standpoint, as a percentage, that they have the upper hand and so therefore they should be favored and they should win. So basically I am, if you want to use this term, I am the underdog when I am the serve team. So if if the other team, which is as good as me, remember, uh, prevails in that exchange, then it's not just that they had a positional advantage, so it's not a big deal. But understand that they do have a positional advantage. And so, you know, they have the, they again, have the upper hand. I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but they basically have the upper hand. They can basically, they, they start the point or the rally ahead of you. And so the fact that they finish ahead of you shouldn't come as a great shock to anybody. So, you know, what you want to do is instead of looking at it when you're on the serve side, instead of looking at it as did I win or did I lose that rally? Look at it in terms of, was I productive during that rally? Did I work during the rally? Did I try and hit shots that made sense given where I was on the court and where they were on the court and what was going on in that situation? I'll give you a quick example of a situation that almost never makes sense. And certainly, you know, when you're playing the serve side, you know, it's really hard to win this way. If you're in the, at the baseline or in the transition zone and you're hitting just, you know, shot after shot, that's going at their shoulder, right? At the opponent's shoulder. And all they're doing is, you know, punch following it down at your feet or punch following it deep to you. Um, it's really hard to win that way. I mean, it's going to be really hard for you to prevail using that tactic. Eventually, you're going to pop one up and they're going to just slam it at you. And that'll, that may end the rally depending on where you are in the, in the court uh, and your ability to defend. But, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're not trying, at least trying to execute either a third shot drop you can do a third shot drive. I have nothing against a third shot drive as a as a strategic tactic. You know, I have nothing against a third shot lob as a strategic tactic. But you know, you want to be hitting a type of shot that allows you to overcome that disadvantage that you have when you start the rally as a serve team. If as long as you're trying to do those things and you're working the rally, right, not hitting the net and things like that, then that's a productive rally. So that's a productive, you know, productive effort by you as the serve team. As long as you're doing that, then, you know, you're probably, you're doing a good job. You're doing what you're supposed to do. It's not the winning or the losing of the rally that is the defining characteristic of your effort as a serve team. And if you understand that, if you understand that, you know, when the serve rally, when the, when you're serving and the rally is over, and again, percentage wise, you're going to be on the negative side of that and the losing side of that, if you want to look at it that way, more often than not. Uh, against similarly situated opponents, against opponents who looked like you. So if you're if you lose that rally there, then you know the 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 response shouldn't be or the auto response shouldn't be, I lost the rally, therefore I failed. The the next question should be, was I productive? Did I work? And if you worked and and did the best you could under the circumstances and tried to hit the shots that you're supposed to hit and things like that, even if you didn't hit the shots perfectly, you should be able to turn around and either head back to serve your second serve or head back to get ready to return and just say, okay, I did what I needed to do and everything is fine. Not go back there and say, you know, I failed. I didn't win the, I didn't win the rally. I didn't win the point because if that's going to be your metric, 
It's going to be a really, really, uh, it, it's a really uh, sort of a, a, a tough way of playing pickleball because you're going to be feeling that way more often than not when you're on the surf side. So remember, when you're on the surf side, be prepared to lose the rally, understand the positional disadvantage that you're in, work the rally, and ask yourself the right question at the end to save your minds. All right, so that's the, the, the you'll be prepared to lose. Hopefully uh, that helps. You may have to think about it a little bit, but uh, it, it works. If you, if you, you know, apply it, it'll work. All right, let's talk a little bit about paddles in the riff coming up in a minute. Stay tuned for the riff. You'd like to help your friend or family member learn how to play pickleball, but how? Now it's easy. Pick up a copy of Play Pickleball, A Beginner's Guide. It's the most complete guide to playing pickleball. Available as a digital download or in hard copy at intopickle.com or at Amazon. Let's keep growing the sport. All right, we're going to continue with the topic from last week's riff, which is uh, paddle selection and, and paddles, basically. Uh, paddles have a, an, in my opinion, have an, play an oversized role or, or in the imaginations of players. Uh, you know, players uh, look at paddles as the solution to their playing problems or their playing issues. And, you know, what I find is once you're within a range of paddles, uh, a certain type of paddles, as long as you can wield the paddle, that's important. Uh, like right now, I know, you know, Jill's uh, trying out a couple of different paddles and, and the issue she's having is that some paddles actually cause her uh, pain in her arm. So obviously you're not going to play with a paddle that causes you arm pain. Uh, that's, that's an easy, not easy, but that's an, uh, that should be an automatic strike, right? Or exclusion. So a paddle that causes you pain, out. But once you get within a range of paddles that that obviously don't hurt your arm, but but you can play with, then changing between those paddles is really not going to have a marked impact on your game. There are a couple of paddles or a couple of different types of paddles that I try and steer players away from. Unfortunately, one of them is a pretty popular paddle. It's the uh, Z5 paddle. Uh, the reason I'm not a big fan of the Z5 paddle is because it has a Nomex core, N-O-M-E-X core in the middle of it. And so that basically uh, makes it a very, it's very powerful. You can you can hit the ball 100 miles an hour with that thing, but you lose a lot of control. And I think it's a pretty harsh paddle on the arm. So I'm not a big fan of that paddle. Uh, and I also try and, and advise players not to play with the wooden paddles. Um, you know, the wooden paddles don't really give you, a, a, I don't think, a true feel for the game, particularly given the better technologies that are out there. But once you get past those paddles, in terms of, you know, whether you end up with a Pro Kenex type of paddle, their, te- their technology, or you end up with a Gearbox carbon fiber paddle, or you end up with, you know, more traditional honeycomb paddle, uh, you know, the, the paddle itself is it going to make you? Is it going to take you from a three-five to a four-zero? The answer is no. Um, what'll take you from a three-five to a four-zero, or three-zero to three-five, or wherever you're at, you know, and wherever you want to go, is going to be understanding the game, which is you know what we try and talk about, including in the in the first segment of this podcast about being prepared to lose. It's understanding the game and being able to execute shots. So you learn to understand the game by studying the game. Uh, I'm going to hit on it again. You know, check us out at VI Pickleball, wearepickleball.com. If you've not already gone in there, what we work on in there is we work on helping you understand the game. That is one of our primary drivers in there. Uh, we just posted a point breakdown this week, uh, you know, just to, and we explain it. We talk about it. We did a game breakdown at a webinar last week, uh, basically, you know, going down through games and explaining to you so that you can see why one side was successful versus the other side. 
not just, you know, they, they battle wasn't ready or they missed a shot. No, there's more fundamental things going on. And so that hopefully, you know, the light goes on and, and, and the, and the, you know, the little light bulb goes on and you go, wait, I see that now. And so you start fixing that in, in your game. If it's something you have to deal with. So you have to be able to do those two things to play well. And, you know, learning how to hit the ball better is going to be drilling, repetition, being on court with a focus. That's what will teach you, you know, your shot mechanics. You know, inside VIP Pickleball, we also have modules that show you how to hit balls, right? But but to to learn that and implement that, you need to have court time doing that. And then it's understanding the game. You put those two things together, I could give you uh, any paddle out there and you're going to be able to execute the strokes that you need to, to be successful. So, uh, oh, and the paddle I'm using right now, I guess I, I, I led with that in the riff, right? So right now I'm actually playing with a couple of different paddles. I'm playing with the Babolat paddle, the Renegade uh, Touch, I think it's called. I'm playing with the Paddletech Bantam XL. Sometimes I break out the Engage Encore, the original one from back in the day. Uh, I'm playing with, uh, you know, sometimes I'll break out one of the Onyx paddles, whether it's the Evoke Pro or the Evoke Premier. Um, so basically, you know, I, I'll, I'll step out on the court with any number of paddles uh, and play, and I'm perfectly comfortable playing with any of those paddles. And so what, what I'm trying to impart on you or impart to you is, is, you know, maybe, you know, find a paddle that's comfortable to you, find a paddle that you like. Uh, find a paddle that doesn't hurt your arm. Uh, I even think it's worth finding a paddle. You know, once you're within the range of paddles that make sense, uh, it may, you know, find a paddle that you're happy with. In other words, that you take it out of your bag and you're like, you know, I love my little paddle here. Um, you know, I know uh, Sarah uh, Aiken, I always mispronounce her name, but from Eastport Paddle Company up in Maryland, she makes some of the coolest uh, paddle designs in terms of the the uh, the faces of the paddles. The designs of them are super cool. So if you like the paddle. And, you know, you, you enjoy holding it in your hand and, and knock yourself out because I'm telling you, once you're within a range of paddles that are well built, including Sarah's paddles, you'll find that the paddle itself is not going to drive your play. What's going to drive your play is an understanding of the game and being able to execute the shots. That's our podcast for this week. The riff went a little longer than I expected, but you know, sometimes that's the nature of it. It's a riff. We just start riffing and we go and see where it takes us. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the podcast, Please share it with your friends. Remember, if you liked it, they probably will too. Be well out there.